there are more Venom agents? Okay. I mean, that's cool. I mean, they're, it's almost like they're setting up future episodes now. Dusty does a little crack here uh, about not having that much fun since the hogs ate Uncle George. Huh? Yeah, really. I don't know what that and I've never heard that expression before. Neither have I. Uh, you I notice how ticked off T-Bob looked? Like, he is <laughs> pissed off in this episode. Computer, scan files. Select mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason Gross, radio broadcaster, retro gamer, blogger, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename 6000, 80 screw skills critical, Wyatt Bloom, broadcast technician, DJ, critic, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename Phoenix, 80s analysis vital. Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Welcome, agents, to MassCast 49 and another fun episode review of the Mobile Armored Strike Command animated series. We are now halfway through what we were calling our fourth season of MassCast, which covers episodes 31 through 40. Tonight, we will talk about episode 36, Lippenzahner Mystery, which was originally broadcast on November 18th, 1985 in the U.S., We'll be traveling to Vienna, Austria to witness Venom and a crooked Arab steal the famous Lippenzahner Stallions. Matt, Dusty, and the team work together to rescue the horses and return them to their rightful owners. As we review tonight's episode, we'll give you our play-by-play commentary along with audio clips from the actual episode mixed in for a fun listening experience. Halfway through the episode and at the finale, we'll talk about our likes and our dislikes, and then we'll give a rating using our one to five scale poll. As customary, we'll also read back our listener reviews and comments along with the results from our poll. So we ask that you'll please join us prior to each podcast on our website at agentsofmass.com or join us for our recording session on Google Hangout to join in the fun. I'm one of your humble hosts, Jason, and with me, as always, is my longtime friend and co-host of MassCast, the Lieutenant Colonel Bluegrass to my Quicksilver. Tally ho! Wings of silver, birds of steel. Wyatt, are you partly metal or partly real? Uh, I would say partly metal. That sounds cool. <laughs> Especially if I'm that, that, what's his name? Colonel, what's in? Bluegrass. Bluegrass? Heck, I don't remember that guy. Uh, <laughs> I used to love that show too. But, uh, yeah, I know that he always played that little guitar though. So that must right. be nice. Yeah. Yeah. That, Quicksilver was the, the head of the Silverhawks and then you had the brother and sister. Yeah, I remember them. Um, there was kids, I think. One, maybe one kid. There might have been a kid. I think there was a kid. I didn't. I didn't even write down their names and <laughs> the people. But 
Uh, I remember there was one of the bad guys. You had Monstar, which was basically yeah. Mumra, who transformed. You know, he had the transformation like Mumra. And there was a lot of the same voices as Thundercats on Silverhawks, too. Oh, I don't remember. I'm going to, now you say that, now I got to listen or watch yeah. it. It was the same production company. Um, so they used a lot of the same voices. And uh, the one I remember is the one of the evil, She it was a girl. And she had this guitar that would like shoot notes or something. <laughs> oh, I remember that. I remember. Uh, I'm going to have to have to Google it now. But oh, yeah. I didn't, I don't remember watching a lot of Silverhawks growing up. I don't know if it just hit at the time when something else was coming on. I know it was a syndicated show, so it wasn't like on every Saturday morning or something. So you had to catch it, I guess, either in the afternoons or you know, when right. you're running Cartoon Express or something <laughs> on USA, which I think I, was uh, what Mask started on, actually. I think so, and I remember Eric Tukey uh, over at BoulderHill.net, he does that with uh, his podcast, uh, and I remember they reviewed one, which was actually an interesting podcast in itself, uh-huh. but nonetheless, it was it brought back a lot of memories listening to that, and you mentioning it, I remember, I think the front end of that, their jet turned into like a little scooter or maybe a solo plane like a single seater and then the rest of the wing mm-hmm. I think the rest of the wing made it up I, I can't remember exactly how it all transposed <laughs> I just remember that they all had wings and they they'd like do a face swipe to get their like a helmet yeah face yeah. over them or mask yeah that was like their uh, their attack mode yeah they, that little shield came down they were ready to kick butt it was a, from what I remember, it was a fun show, and I know uh, my buddy Howie Decker over at underscoopfire.com, he's a big fan and would love to see them make a comeback, probably about the same level that we want Mask to come back. <laughs> yeah, I vaguely remember when we were in the uh, brainstorming of our script, you had mentioned that he was looking at doing a possible script don't know if it ever came out or I don't know if he did anything with it. I just remember he, he ever, mentioning he wanted to do a script. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he ever did a script. But um, I know he's a, he's a big Fair. proponent of them coming back. And uh, he's done several articles over there. Just search Silverhawks. You'll get probably about four or five. And they're good articles. It's like, uh, what are the Silverhawks doing today? <laughs> he's got them doing, like, one guy works at... Uh, uh, Enterprise rent a car and <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Oh, it's it's great. And then who would you cast as the new cast? You know, like we've done with our polling and stuff. That's cool. It's, fun. it's pretty fun. But yeah, it's there's a lot of similarities in the fact it went 65 episodes and Mask went 75. We had those the 10. You know, the next year, but 65 was that magic number. I guess, so to speak. Uh, that was probably the minimum to make it syndicated. Actually, you know, I heard uh, another friend of mine, Sean Robert, who is the admin behind branded in the 80s.com. He led me on to a fact that 
65 episodes, if you're doing five episodes a week, divide that by 65 by five, that's 13. 13 times four is 52. So it was meant to basically cycle through four times throughout one calendar year. Uh, nice. Weekdays. So that's how they come up with that 65 magic number. Huh. And, uh, and a lot of those cartoons. So they can cycle through four times during a year. But a little bit of trivia. Thank you, Sean, for, uh, <laughs> for uh, telling me about that. But I'd never thought of that before, but that's – why they did that so well anyway how about we uh get a little bit into our show yes let's let's get our well that's your line let's get our mask on get your mask on uh and what (laughs) (laughs) you don't know how to get your mask on come on well i actually i forgot to put any notes down What's been going on with masks? I've posted a couple videos. I posted one yesterday of uh, basically a clip from this episode. And I actually included the sound in this one. A lot of them I haven't been putting the sound in there, but I found a way to actually get the sound back in there. But <laughs> it's when uh, Buddy makes his uh, little, his little call-up scene in this where he ditches his date. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one, too. Uh so I've been haven't been on the site too much lately, and we haven't put out too much uh, stuff over on the blog. Been working some behind the scenes though. I'm still pulling clips for Thunderhawk and that little music video montage I'm working on. Um, I don't know when that's going to debut, but I do want to crank it out here before too long. Right and. Uh, the the two that I have done have been real fun to put together. So I've been working on that. Um, we've been talking a little bit behind the scenes with Eric. We haven't set up a time yet for our comics podcast. So that we do want to do another one uh, yes. on the comics pretty soon with him. So we'll, you know, I don't know if it's going to be next or maybe we'll do another episode review and do it after that. But it is upcoming for sure. Um, any progress over there on your, uh, your plan for RetroCon? No, I um, I actually had some some laws at work, and instead of talking with him, I was finding some stuff to post on our Facebook page. As you've seen, the uh, another uh, version of a possible piranha. Yeah. Now that is cool. This is like an, it's like a car. mini car. Almost. Yeah. And you've got the bike that's like on the side of the car, not like a sidecar, but right. It's uh, it's crazy. Can you control? Is it? I guess it comes off, right? It looks like it comes off. I didn't get too deep into it. I just saw the the. I mean, it must really come the, off. I just saw the whole structure and thought, hey, this is actually kind of a cool concept for a modern <laughs> piranha. What I found fascinating, I started looking for like characters. Like, uh, I just started doing Google image searches for Dusty and Matt Tracker and all that. And I found it quite, I, I would call it a mix of comical and interesting how much Agents of Mask is actually a presence on Google images. A good third, maybe more, of the images that I was scanning through, I'm like, 
they look familiar. And every time I go over, Agents of Mask, Agents of Mask, Agents of Mask. <laughs> wow. We're, I've posted we're, a lot of crap, let me tell you. You have. <laughs> I, I know I've, I haven't posted near anything like you, but it's um, – I guess I'm impressed that you've been posting that much. Uh, also, I just didn't realize we had that – I knew we had a footprint in the in the market, but I didn't realize a freaking Bigfoot footprint. <laughs> so, uh, but that's uh, I'm not I'm not gloating by any means. I just it just I didn't realize we had that much <laughs> of a library, which is good oh. though because uh, I know we've hence why we changed it from mass to movie to agents of mass to kind of be some kind of resource throughput to other mask entities, not just you know, capitalizing on our stuff, but, you know, going to boulderhill.net or matttracker.com or uh, Scott or whomever, their portions to the cause. So it's it was actually pretty cool to to see what we've done. Because <laughs> I was actually, looking for... Uh, I, I'm just looking at the blogger stats. We use blogger to host, and we've posted 1,000. Uh, 10 wow. We've posted 210 <laughs> posts since the beginning of the blog. So that's quite uh, a bit. Yeah, you probably tripled that on on your rediscover the 80s, though. <laughs> 711. <laughs> so nearly, yeah. Yeah, Over pretty much. But yeah, I mean, if you think about, well, obviously, all the images I find are mainly on the web. I do some through Photoshop and you know, screen capture and that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, every post that I we usually have a few pictures and right. But here I am trying to get inspiration and here it's all our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be selective with those, uh, with those searches. Yeah. But that's, so. that's really all I have. Nothing's been going on. I need to get a hold of uh, Bill and see what we're going to be doing. I'm trying I have a brainstorm. I have no idea if it's going to be feasible. I'm thinking of getting a track phone, data type phone, just for temporary use, and uh, and somehow seeing if I can rig it up to my uh, my video camera, so we can actually do a true like live hangout or cool. something from live from live unedited, you know, type of feed from RetroCon. I. I don't know if that's at all feasible. Um, I have not looked into it at all, but uh, I want to. I want to talk with Bill before I go, deciding to go live, or even if I we can go live. Um, just so he, you know, we we might need to edit it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> hey, is it your turn yet? Wait for me. <laughs> so. Well, if you can figure something out, or even if it's just uh, you know audio that. You can send over to me later, and we can, you know, put in a podcast form. Right. We'll appreciate that. And right now, I'm planning to take my video. To get a little. Okay, cool. It'd be so fun to get a five or ten minute little interview with Doug. Oh yeah. Close. And yeah, uh, he always enjoying himself at his first convention. So I know he's kind of nervous that he uh, is finally going to. Put himself out there at some of these conventions, and you know I don't blame him. You know I feel I, welcome. I appreciate all the stars and and 
them coming out and, and being, you know, wanting to autograph and shake hands and whatever else that they, they do. But it's equally, I would think, a kind of a spooky world because you get those loony bins that come out that want to, whatever it is, they're either, like he stated, you know, someone's infatuated with the character, not him, um, or, or or whatever the case may be, or, or like these paparazzis that do stupid stuff to other um, movie stars. It's just, yeah. Uh, but, you know, hey, the cast of Dukes of Hazard does it all the time, so who cares? <laughs> they're they're doing they're doing pretty well. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I catch them all the time. Day. There's always someone's going up to one of the now three. There's three Cooters businesses now, all in Tennessee, but someone's coming up to one of them to sign autographs and get pictures and stuff. It's usually the of all people, it's usually the deputies, <laughs> Cletus and Enos. It was Roscoe quite a bit until uh, his his um, unfortunate passing, but uh, yeah, they were yeah. they were popular characters. Oh yeah, dipstick. <laughs> all right, well, I, I, that's about all I have as well. Uh, yeah, let's get this party started. Let's do it. And it's time to start the mouse cast. We fade in over a European city and then quickly are taken inside an arena where we see a horse show. At least that's what I thought it was. We see Dusty, Matt, Scott, and T-Bob in attendance with Dusty being impressed with all the horse stunts while Scott seems to be doing some maintenance on T-Bob. Dusty asks if this is a daily event with Matt mentioning it's an honor of Amir of Amana. I hope I didn't butcher that one up. Uh, we now see what Scott has been working on, a popcorn storage unit. Nita! Oh, I've got over a million motivation and logic circuits in me. And what does he use me for? A popcorn box. Wonder if I could turn you into a popcorn popper, T-Bob. <laughs> I think if I were a robot and that's all you use me for, I think I'd be a little peeved too. Uh, <laughs> just my two cents. As the show continues, a strange aura, no pun intended, appears around one of the horses and it comes to a stop. As the rider tries to kick him back into the performance, the horse's eyes are now like all white with a having a tinted coat. One of the eyes has like a sine wave, like an oscilloscope sine wave squirreling about. Uh, and I guess it looks, I guess it's like the heartbeat changing. That's, that's what I thought of it as then throws the rider off all of the horses buck their riders off and begin causing a commotion dusty hops down to ride one of the horses preventing a young boy from being trampled on He steers the horse into one of the stadium hallways where it throws Dusty off while all the horses then run off. A bit aggravated, they look around as the horses seem to have vanished. Matt looks at a padlocked stable while Scott sees that the tracks stop at the wall. Uh, I found it actually interesting that they, uh, or coincidental rather, that they used Dusty to work the horses, I guess because of the 
accent that he's uh, of southern or country descent somewhere that uh, he had to ride him cowboy. And then, you know, if you'll remember uh, several episodes ago during his call up, he's actually riding that horse and he comes to that. Uh, oh, that right. Yeah. Like they're two steps away and he turns around. He gets the call and then he goes on the horse again. So yeah, I guess he is a country boy. Yeah. That's the way I pictured it. They essentially set it up there, but. Right. Yeah, he's the country boy. He's the he's the cowboy, you know, from the south or whatever. I guess that's why he's he the has the jeep. I don't know. True. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I, the introduction was pretty good. Uh, I wasn't too overwhelmed with Scott and his, you know, popcorn <laughs> wanting to turn T Bob into a popcorn popper. It's it was a lot better than having them just do a bunch of stupid puns, you know. Like it's true, very true. Happened over the last, I don't know, couple episodes. There, they just boom right into it, and at least they're trying to be a little bit creative with how they're <laughs> trying to do their, you know, sideshow. <laughs> in other words, but, right. So yeah, so they chase the horses down this hallway, Matt. Uh, sees that the stable, the door to the stable is still latched and the track's ending there at the end of the tunnel. We go outside of the building uh, sometime later and Amir thanks Dusty for his help. Dusty does a little crack here uh, about not having that much fun since the hogs ate Uncle George. Huh? Yeah, really. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> I've never heard that expression before. but Neither have I. Uh, That's a little... It's kind of on the horror side, isn't it? Eight Uncle George. Uh, the Emir asks him if the horses have been recovered yet, and Matt says that they're still missing. And the Emir, kind of in passing, says that it is a shame. Myself, I would give my entire fortune for just one of those beautiful lipazoners. We cut then on the highway inside Thunderhawk. And Dusty and Matt wish they knew what happened to the horses. Dusty asks Scott for some of his popcorn. Scott says if he would have known, he would have put some more in T-Bob's secret compartment. Well, that secret compartment line triggers a little thought in Matt's brain, and he <laughs> slams on the brakes on Thunderhawk, and T-Bob actually ends up in the front seat between right. the bucket seats, which I thought that was funny. Yeah, especially Dusty, since a few episodes they were talking about seatbelts. Yeah, right. Dusty wonders what's up, and Matt then thinks that there's a secret compartment somewhere in the building. So he flips up Thunderhawk's dashboard computer, like we've been talking about, and asks for the architectural plans on this uh, palace there in Vienna. The computer shows the original plans, and then a later renovation with a secret tunnel is put right over top of the original plans on the computer screen. And they said it was for the king to have enough room to get a horse carriage basically out. There it is. That's got to be wide enough for 10 horses. Now I want you to- I know, stay in the hotel and not get into any trouble. You got it. And Scott insists that they never get into any trouble. What are you talking about? <laughs> T-Bob spouts off a couple occasions from 
actually previous episodes. Right. Including them being almost trampled by elephants and then the one a couple episodes where they're skydiving off the Eiffel Tower without a parachute. Right. <laughs> Scott says that wasn't any trouble. That was fun. But you I, notice how ticked off T-Bob looked? Like he is <laughs> pissed off in this episode. Well, I I thought the references were good. I liked how they used uh, the previous episodes in here, you know, previous right. stories. I thought stepping, that was good. Stepping back just a hair, uh -huh. when uh, Matt turns on the computer, what I liked about it is he actually instructs the computer this time. He says, computer on. And then he asked for the architectural plans. I thought that was actually pretty cool because usually if we follow the whole suit like it's supposed to be, at least it seems, everything is something on. So you got, you know, mask down, spectrum on, computer on, something to that effect. And I, I, I like that, that consistency. Unfortunately, it's not consistent. <laughs> right. But uh, they, they try. <laughs> they try. I'll give it that. But I, I, I just like that moment, that, that little instruction there. To me, that's a little extra detail there. Right. Yeah. That was uh, – I did notice that as well. And Yeah, sometimes he just spouts off uh, some instructions for the computer. And other times, the mask just shows up on his head. <laughs> right, yeah. They, and then sometimes they just shoot fireballs out of torch without any commands. I know. <laughs> we'll see later in this episode, but – yeah, I mean, it's just not consistent, but every once in a while they'll drop it in there to give us, Make a, us happy. That there's, yeah, that there's some voice commands going right. on. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we go back to the tunnel. Uh, we got Matt and Dusty now in their flight suits, and they're examining the tunnel. Matt spots a metal ring hanging on the wall. He gives it a little twist, and the secret door starts to go up. How'd you know that? Dusty enters the passage with Matt catching a glimpse of a tripwire. He tells Dusty to wait. And just in the nick of time, he stops. Matt runs up and shows him this trap that they had set. And the potential for, I think he says, actually the ceiling caving in on him. Right. He disengages the wire. He has a little wipe of his brow there, which I liked, just showing that you know he had to be patient and disconnecting this from this. Didn't know if it was a bomb or you know what it was. And he sees this uh, device on the ground. We go immediately back inside Thunderhawk, and the computer is now analyzing this device, which is called a sonic transmitter that produces sounds too high for the human ear to hear. So this is what they use to spook the horses. Variable frequency transmitter at 30,000 cycle note. Original research done at International Electronics. Believed stolen by Venom. Venom! And we cut to the, uh, the awesome electric guitar Venom theme with a proud Miles Mayhem overlooking a valley as he comments about Rax finding a job that actually suits his talents. Which <laughs> I is, laughed a lot at this. Yeah, I did too. He's getting some hay for the horses and mucking out stalls. Sly then chucks the pitchfork and asks, So what's with these horses anyway? What's with them is we're going to get millions for stealing them. For a bunch of horses? 
Just then we hear a helicopter fly into the area with some decent animation, I would call it. We it then, was, yeah, it kind of took it to like a 3D level. Yeah, I like that. Was, it was that same kind of animation they used. Which episode? Was it the uh, Currency Conspiracy where they're in the snow and they do that sweeping shot of Rhino? Yes, that's Remember it. From, uh, they, Bruce is in the passenger seat. Yes, yes. It rotates like 3D almost over to uh, Matt's side, and I think he says defense mode or something, you know, whatever. Right. But it was that same kind of animation, except it was more vertical instead right. of that horizontal sweep. It was like a vertical sweep where you're looking down at the ground, and then it slowly kind of pans up into the, the mountains there in that helicopter landing. Right. So, I, I don't know what I – it's – it's different. I mean, it's interesting. It different think, movement than what you know most cartoons would try to do. Um, right. Whether you like it or not, I don't know. It's <laughs> it was different. It was it was yeah. good. I, I'm not knocking it. It was just uh, decent. It was probably not the right word. I think it was more uh, interesting is the right word I was looking for to describe it. Uh, but we then see Amir, who spoke to Matt earlier about wanting just one of those lip designers. His aides opens up a briefcase full of money and presents the $1 million for the horses. Now our ever-greedy Miles states the price has increased. The million was simply for stealing them. It'll be another $4 million to deliver them to the dock. Uh, what I find interesting at the moment is that he seems to be going downhill with the seizing of money figures because the last <laughs> episode was $20 million. And I think the episode before that was a billion. So now it's a total of five million. I think he's going, whatever dollar I can make, I'm going to get it. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe he's uh, on the move. All right. We're going to stop here in Vienna for a couple of days. We might as well find a job to pull, you know, while we're here. And right. Move on to the next bigger, better job. But uh, thinking about that, too. And I meant to bring it up in the episode with the oil rig, the last one. In the comics, Venom is part of a larger organization, actually. Yes. And the name escapes me. I can't think of it either. League of something, I think. But it's interesting to think maybe that they are part of, you know, a bigger thing and they're getting a lot of their money from them and, Maybe when they screw up, they're uh, they're on their own for a while to right. feed their whatever they need to keep working, you know, or whatever. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think maybe some of that could come into play? I think it, it's very possible. I, I had totally forgot about the comic book strategy, to be honest, and uh, that is very plausible. This could be their – Membership dues, so to speak, that they got to keep actually getting something. And yeah. they keep screwing up and screwing up. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking I'm thinking probably more outside the box than both entities are thinking. But maybe it's one of these where, okay, Miles, you keep screwing up. Let's see if you can handle a little bit smaller dollars. Right. Or they have uh, something, somebody within a larger organization, they, they get a uh, – job to pull and then they divvy it out among the smaller 
organizations. All right, we've got a job for you. You got to take care of this for us and go steal these horses for this rich right. dude. And I don't know. It's it's interesting to think, and there's a lot of. I think there's been a lot of theories about uh, Venom being part of Cobra, G.I. <laughs> Joe, Cobra, Venom. You know, I, I could see that. And they're, he's not, Mayhem's not more on the uh, global domination, you know, more than just trying to get a little respect, <laughs> I think. Which he has, which he has none. Not even right. from his own crew. <laughs> if you think about it, you know, he, he's putting people in situations where he's demanding money or he'll blow up something or he wants his face on a statue or, you know, stuff like that. I think he just, right. he just wants a little bit of clout <laughs> with the evil community, so to speak. Right. And, with, with his underworld, whatever it is. <laughs> I don't know. We uh, are kind of off the trail there. Surprisingly, about mask that time, but yeah, but that's good speculation. I mean, we, I mean, we are overthinking it a bit it, yeah. between cartoon and comic book, but that is something. Perhaps it is somewhere in the original mask writers' minds that there could have been a a, a bigger scheme or bigger yeah. company, so to speak, corporation for the the criminals. Um, maybe there is a potential tie. They introduced Matt Tracker to G.I. Joe, so why maybe that was a door that that, that never got fully opened to get, right. like we saw on Facebook there, where where Venom's, you know, hooking up with Cobra. I mean, maybe that is more truth than we think. I think you're onto something here. You know, where they're putting out the Avengers movies with all these superhero team ups. You know, bring back all these cartoons and let them have them. Uh, you know, Cobra and Venom and. Heck yeah. Let's, uh, the Decepticons. <laughs> There's actually, I think I read a rumor uh, a couple of weeks ago about Hasbro wanting to do some kind of G.I. Joe Transformer team-up kind of a movie. And they've done that in the comics. I mean, there's been G.I. Joe and Transformer comics since the 80s. Right. I've got, uh, they, they did a volume of uh, four, I think in the mid or maybe towards the late eighties, that was uh GI Joe and transformers. So I don't know. I, it might be interesting to, even if it's just animated, you know, bring it back and add in a couple more from uh, some of these other cartoons, uh, some of these other entities that you're not doing anything with. You know? Right. Well, maybe we anyway, should, we'll, maybe we should get some rights, uh, permission to rights and do some fan fiction. Well, you don't need permission to do fan fiction. That's why it's fiction and tag that fan on the front of it. But yeah. uh, it sure as heck couldn't hurt if uh, you got some people out there that actually read some of that stuff. So, anywho. So, back to our own little episode at hand. Uh, Amir's aides now pull out some small swords. I guess that's what they are, really. Uh, and prepare to stab Miles while Amir stops them and agrees to the price. Uh, very well. When one purchases perfection, one does not quibble over the price. And one more thing. I want that paid in platinum bars. All right. The money will be paid when you deliver the Lipizzaners to my oil freighter. So I guess that might be where he might have picked up his cargo ship at one point. 
partnership. Who knows? In the next scene, yeah. yeah. So in the next scene, we see Thunderhawk and Gator emerge on the other end of the tunnel. Uh, here's where I was a little, uh, I dinged it. Was where has Gator been all this time? You know, we they've been zooming around with Thunderhawk, both of them, and now Gator just uh, magically appears. So I was a little disturbed yeah. about how it appeared. It's like they went back to the hotel and grabbed Gator. Well, yeah, they didn't set it up. I don't think there was a setup scene the second time they arrived at the tunnel when they're in their uniforms. No. Um, so I, I didn't ding it there. I, I really didn't uh, notice any discontinuity there at all. Uh, well, it just seemed like it was perhaps, like you said, it's more of the scene setup. But I, I just they were driving along pretty much both in Thunderhawk and then it's just like boom. Now we've got Gator. Yeah. Just abrupt. I can see that. So but anyway, Matt uses Spectrum infrared to scan the terrain and sees a stable with Piranha in the distance. Just then the helicopter passes over Mask with Matt recognizing the Scorpion emblem on the tail, but he just doesn't seem to be able to place it. That emblem I've seen it before. Let's hurry, Matt. Okay. Now we're taken inside where we see Rax mucking out the stall as Matt slowly sneaks past the window. Matt instructs that he'll take care of Rax while Dusty gets the horses. Matt begins to sneak up on Rax, who has just sat down on the floor, I guess, to take a little nap or rest (laughs) or something. As he creeps up, we now hear Switchblade engage. Won't interfere this time, Max. Dusty uses Gator to shoot a sonic disruptor blast at Miles. It shakes him up, but then he targets Gator. Dusty cleverly averts the blast until a tree is struck where he crashes into it. Dusty now tries to make light of it, saying he hasn't been caught in a tree since he was six. <laughs> Rax has mysteriously put his mask on between you know, being shocked and See yeah. Matt in his face. But he's put his mask on now, but is backing away from Matt. He then uses stiletto, firing darts at Matt, as Matt, in turn, rolls behind some barrels. Sly continues to back up, but into a horse, which does a nice little field goal and shoots him out the, <laughs> the roof of the barn. Yeah, there was a big thud sound, too, when he landed. Oh, yeah. That was good. Just then, uh, after Rax gets kicked <laughs> through the roof, Matt exits the barn. He's now looking for Dusty. He sees Gator in the trees and starts to make a run for it when Switchblade stops him in his tracks and starts to fire at him. And I caught this one on a video I put up on Facebook this week. The Switchblade lasers kind of hit in the ground in front of Matt which causes him to get launched into the air. And then he lands on this conveyor and his leg kind of triggers the switch to start it. Mayhem demands Rax to get the horses and the cargo truck uh, with the horses inside crashes through the barn as Mayhem converts switchblade. This was a nice conversion here. Yes. Really nice close up. It was almost slow motion. They really wanted you to, see how it transforms. 
uh, that was good. So he converts and then he flies off in the direction of the truck. And Dusty, now he's still trapped in the trees and he sees Matt moving slowly up this conveyor, which we now see is going to fall into this hay baler below. Dusty yells out for Matt as we fade to black and into our dramatic commercial break. Well, what was your impression so far of the episode now that we're at halftime? Um, I've really enjoyed it so far. They've had great animation like you identified with the kind of this, I'll call it a slow motion transformation with Switchblade. Even the the comedy of it, Rax getting, you know, booted out the out of the barn. Just a, everything's been great so far. The only the only thing that I guess has me dinging it, if I call it a ding, I'm down to like a 4.5 right now, only because I, where did Gator come from? There wasn't any consistency. Again, I realize it's a cartoon. The vehicles usually appear out of nowhere anyway. And then secondly, how did Rax put that mask on? Was it when they got spooked uh, by Switchblade that he grabbed his, his mask and threw it on? That's the only explanation i have i actually thought this was a good commercial break or dramatic position or uh, or scene Mm -hmm. but i honestly thought that a commercial break could have been also equally been at uh, when miles is blasting at matt inside of the barn uh you could be have that suspense of if if it was going to hit matt if it was going to hit the horses or racks i would have i think that could have also been an equally good suspense. That was, I saw that as a little more, you know, insight into <laughs> into Miles' almost hatred for True. Mask in that at that point, he didn't give a crap. Alright, I saw that Tracker's in there, well, he doesn't know he's Tracker, but he saw that Mask is in this barn and that moron in the Thunderhawk Camaro um, he has a chance to take him out, and, and he doesn't care if it's gonna. Yeah, if it's gonna wipe the uh, mission, you know, or take out one of his own guys. If it gets him, it's a good day. <laughs> <laughs> so you can tell his motive, what his real motivations are. It's, right. You know, he does these jobs, and he'll get as much as he can out of these jobs. But if he's got a chance to take him out, he's gonna take him out. I thought that was good. Right. Well, like I said, everything has been great. Uh, I like the plot. I even like the the kind of slight twist that Miles has added to the to the money. He wants it in platinum bars. Why? I don't know. But, you know, instead of just cash on the barrel, he wants actual bars. Yeah. Um, so I like the little tweak that he's done here. And, of course, I liked how Rax gets a little frustrated at Miles with, you know, finding a job that suits him. Yeah, I... I put that down in my notes too about always liking those jabs that the venom makes yes. take at each other. Um, That's what we put on our. Yeah. Oh, how about you? I. It, this was one of the first episodes in a long time where I didn't take many notes, and I guess I see that as a good thing that I was really drawn into the episode that I didn't write. I, I didn't have many 
dings against it. I didn't have a lot of, uh, you know, really good stuff either. I made a couple of notes here and there, but one thing I did notice, and it wasn't really a, didn't ding it, was the reverb sound what they do with the masks every once in a while. It's, it's inconsistent that how they change their voices when they put the masks on and start talking. Right. right. And this one had that weird kind of reverb effect in this episode, which like I said, it's just another one of those inconsistencies that I guess I didn't, it takes you. I guess I just didn't grab it or it didn't stand out to me. And I usually yeah. notice that type of stuff. It didn't stand out to me this time. It did right away for me. And I wasn't really fond of Switchblade's little hiding spot there in the hay. <laughs> that would be a massive hay pile. Oh, yeah. To cover <laughs> Switchblade. And, you know, we've seen it, you know, put in a windmill. So, I mean, that yeah. was creative. But just, just the way it came out and just kind of, boom, and he's out from that hay and everybody's all surprised. I don't know. That was, I don't know, just didn't sit well with me. Right. But the drama there at the rake, I don't know. It was a little bit campy. I remember an episode of the old Batman TV series where they're, you know, trapped on a conveyor. And oh, yes, their, I remember that. That's their, big, uh, <laughs> that's their big drama between, you know, the old Batman series I always had two shows hooked together and I just like same bad time, same bad channel next week. <laughs> uh, so and it was kind of stolen from that, but it was decent, but yeah, I mean, there was really nothing major that I put against this episode. So I'm still, I, I didn't even put it down a half on my mask meter. So I'm still at a solid five. Awesome. Through this point. And, uh, really, the only thing else was there to say was I think this is the first time that we referenced other episodes directly when T Bob yes. does that little thing at the beginning, which I thought was good. I like to have some continuity at least between the episodes if they don't do it from show to show with you know stuff like sound effects. But right, uh, I thought that was good. Anyway, so we come out of the break. Dusty is struggling to get free with Matt still nearing the edge of the conveyor, this magical conveyor that <laughs> he just seems to be getting closer. And the next shot, he's getting closer again. Anyway, he uh, Dusty gets the idea to eject the gator boat. And I like this. This was really creative. I liked it. I know the boat. Hang on, Matt. Here I come. gets like one skip off of the ground <laughs> rams right into that hay baler just in time to catch Matt falling off and he falls right into the passenger seat of the gator boat. So I, I thought it was creative. Did it? I, I did roll my eyes at Dusty's line here. I sure bailed you out of that one, Matt. <laughs> well, like, you know, oh. that's not the first time that he's been creative like that. Remember he used the, the jet blasters, uh, at one point to get himself oh, out yeah. of that ice. I think it was ice. 
Yes. He was it stuck. Was the, uh, that might have been uh, Cold Fever. Yes. When they're on those icebergs and they latch onto each other. And no, 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 no. No, it's not that one. That was Thunderhawk doing no. that. No, but he was he was caught in in another like ice or cave, and he had to use the jet blasters to get himself unstuck. Yeah, he just popped the chassis up on that one. Yeah, that's it. Launch him. He didn't launch the boat. I do remember that. I can't remember which one that one is, but yeah, he has done that before. So Dusty saves the day, and we head back to the hotel with Scott and T Bob. Right while they're commenting that room silver should be coming soon with some more popcorn. They're finished. Room service ought to be here any minute with more popcorn. But I don't want to be a popcorn popper. Scott asks where his spirit of adventure is, to which he replies that it was the first thing he took out. I laughed out loud. <laughs> yeah, he's one. like holding that part up. I did laugh out loud at that <laughs> one. That was a really, that was a good bit of humor. Yeah, that one up was. Part. I think it's the first thing you took out of me. <laughs> that was good. He then got a charge and his head lid popped up as he asked Scott to do something. Scott jokes that he'll get it if it kills him. T-Bob worries that it'll kill him. <laughs> yeah, that was good, too. After an adjustment, T-Bob short circuits and transforms into scooter mode. T-Bob stops! I can't stop! Scott, help! As room service knocks... T-Bob races out of the door and down the hallway. I'm sorry, I have T-Bob later on. I have T-Bob running around in the background in my head. Um, <laughs> he yells that he wants to order some breaks. Then he says that he's turned into a moving violation. T-Bob crashes into a mirror with the platinum bars. For a moment, he has stopped, but then one of the bars of platinum drops on T-Bob's head and he short circuits again and doom, transforms into scooter yep. mode and races off. Scott stops and apologizes while checking on Amir. No words are exchanged, but some judgmental looks are. Scott notices a photograph and picks it up, which happens to be a picture of the of a Lippensteiner horse. Inside Thunderhog now. Venom must be preparing for a rendezvous. But with who? Someone who loves horses more than anything. What is it, Scott? Just then, Scott calls in and says it sounds like they are still looking for the horses, which tells me that he knew what was going on. Like he had had the microphone picked up before the call patched through to the the visual side or patched through to, to Matt and Dusty. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, he knew that they were out looking for the horses when they parted ways. So, right. Uh, I don't know, maybe they just had puzzled looked on their faces when he punched up the screen there. That could be. Uh, I thought it was kind of cool that Matt left the laptop behind with him. Yeah, I like that idea. Because I mean, that, that, it's usually T Bob's radio, but thankfully, you know, he had yeah. that because he would have been running all day long for the. Now he can kind of you know video monitor him, although he right. doesn't recognize T Bob later. But <laughs> <laughs> true. Anyway. Uh, so, like that, like I said, they were Scott Rios in, and uh, as T Bob races back and forth in the background, that's the picture I had in my head. Mm -hmm. while I was still chuckling. A proud Scott goes on to say that he's found something important. Scott continues to say that he 
he saw an Arabian man carrying platinum bars, and T Bob is still driving on the walls in the background, smacking something, which is actually funny. <laughs> then Scott shows Matt the picture. Matt thinks about it, and we kind of peer into Matt's mind as things are put together the Scorpion logos and the Arabian he spoke with, which is Amir outside the stadium. Uh, then Dusty kind of wakes him and tugs him out of the, this mental lock, and he says, Matt, what's wrong? Amir. Venom is trading with Amir. You're right. He's Arabian, and he also wanted those horses. I should have known when I saw the emblem on the chopper. Thanks, Scott. By the way, who's that running behind you? Oh, uh, it's nothing. It's probably the bellhop. Bye-bye. Dusty then suspects that Amir is probably leaving on his oil freighter tonight. And this is where we get our call-up. And it's just shy of 15 minutes that we finally get our call-up. Oh, really? I didn't even look to see. It's like I know 14, I'm pushing it. Yeah, it's like 1450-something. Uh, I didn't I mean, write it down. It's a two-minute episode. I mean, that's, that doesn't leave much time for... Action, no. For action, yeah. But we do get a call-up, which we didn't get last time. It was almost the reverse. We've got, yeah. like last time, we got Boulder Hill and some strategy. We didn't get the mask room, but we had no call-up scenes. Now we get the call-up scenes without Boulder Hill. But anyway, we cut right to Gloria. She's in this dentist chair, and she gets the call on her watch, which is the correct sound. Did you notice? I did. I was got freaking the correct sound. About time. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we won. <laughs> She's, uh, as the dentist turns to get prepared to clean her up, she gets the call and she whispers over to this child in the next seat for uh, her teddy bear, if she can borrow it. And then, of course, the dentist turns around to work and he's surprised to find the bear there and where he is gone. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, and then we immediately cut the buddy, and this was the scene we alluded to, I think, pre-show, where or actually it was during Get Your Mask On, where Buddy, he's standing at the corner. He's kind of leaned up against uh, a light pole or something there. He looks at his watch, and he's waiting for somebody, and we see this girl running down. He's got a bouquet of flowers. His uh, girl starts to run towards him, and just as he gets up to walk towards her, he gets the call. And he starts running faster, and he kind of hands off these bouquet of flowers like a football and <laughs> keeps on running. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good description because I had a baton in my head, but yeah. neither one of them yeah. were really racing like in, yeah. in tandem in line. So, <laughs> so that, was, uh, that was pretty funny. But we cut immediately after that. Like we said, we skipped Boulder Hill. And we go right to some awesome shots of the transport plane. Yes. It uh, ascending up in the air, basically a uh, ground view, mm-hmm. and these nice shots, uh, real quick shots flying amongst the clouds, uh, which was really cool. And then we immediately cut to the freighter, and we're at nighttime now, and we see the horse truck approaching, and we see Dagger get out. He's driving, and Rax comes out of the passenger side, and Signals with a flashlight to Vanessa, who's actually on the ship above and apparently controlling the, the doors. Uh, the doors open and the truck enters with 
Mayhem and Amir and Amir's men kind of standing by. Very good, Mr. Mayhem. I see that for sufficient money, you will even keep your word. For sufficient money, your highness, I'll even deal with you. Amir snaps his fingers at one of the henchmen and he delivers the briefcase containing the platinum bars. Uh, this is a nice shot here where the guy opens the case and the glow from the platinum bars are kind of shining on the agents. Right. I thought that was really good. We get uh, Amir and Mayhem now. Uh, they're getting into a tiff over like counting the money and Dagger, he starts to get upset over Amir and calling him a thief. Yeah. And uh, he attempts to fire the torch mask and he gets torched out before Mayhem's like, not in here, you idiot, and stand down and you'll set the hay in the stalls on fire. You know, I was like, okay, this isn't your ship, Miles. Let him shoot some fireballs. I mean, he does it later. But uh, I don't know why he was so. I obviously, if the horses are torched, then uh, <laughs> he's got no money. But anyway, Smiles explains that he has the money now, so he instructs them to let's leave. And Amir kind of gloats that uh, the treasures are all his now. But we see Buddy now. He interrupts them from a platform above. Not all yours, your highness. It's mask. Too bad, Venom. I don't know. Yeah, I always picture him from like Boston. He's got that Boston kind of that, accent almost. That's what it sounds like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Vanessa sees him now, and this was a very creative scene. And this is the battles that I wish we would have more with the masks where she engages the whip mask. It goes flying up at him and basically gets a stranglehold right. on Buddy. And then he has to activate the penetrator mask to essentially release himself. And that's some thinking there. I mean, that's the writers thinking, okay, we have Vanessa do something. We need to have her whip mask in this episode. What can we do? Well, that's, you know, he's got the power to, kind of go through, pass through walls and stuff. And I don't know. I thought that was pretty creative. It was. I, I liked that scene. And it, like you said, it, it, I wish the writers would have done more like this throughout the episodes instead of, it seems like they pick one or the other. They don't seem to be uh, marrying the two, like the vehicles and yeah. the masks. Yeah. there's. I mean, we had a couple episodes, probably I would say in the first our first season, you know, one through 10, that there was some really good mask battles and vehicle battles in the same episode. And it, like you say, it it does seem few and far between now where we're getting uh, some new kind of creative battle scenes on both sides in the same episode. Right. But anyway, as we, uh, as buddy, releases himself from Vanessa's grasp. We see Amir and his men trying to get to the truck, but they are surprised. Right. He runs into another room where Gloria greets him saying, Going somewhere? Uh, The guard yields two swords with Gloria using the Aura mask with no command. 
she uses it to knock the guard and Amir's head together, then knocking them out. Dagger uses Torch, blasting at Buddy, who's running along the second level. Again, no command. You just see this pew, 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 pew of yeah. Torch. Vanessa says, nice shot, Mayhem. Mayhem says that they've got the money. Let's go. As they turn, Matt stands firmly, and this is where you have that great panorama shot of yeah, toe to head. That nice yeah. shot. And then he uses Spectrum Ultrasonics. The horses become agitated and break free from the truck. Dusty yips and jumps on, onto the lead horse, guiding them onto an awaiting truck. Uh, he concludes that it's more fun than roping turkeys, which... <laughs> I um, put, okay, if you say so. <laughs> really, because I don't know how you rope turkeys. You can't, if you're even hunting them, it's hard to get them. At least I've got the platinum. <laughs> Driving parallel on the ground is Thunderhawk, which transforms into jet mode and flies off, which was another good transformation of him. Uh, Miles comments, he stopped them once and will stop them again. In the n- night sky, the two jets are flying around. Then Matt says, do unto others. Let's see how you like being forced down. <laughs> Matt blasts the canopy off of Switchblade, which was actually pretty good. Uh, Miles grabs the suitcase and ejects just before Switchblade blows up. And I didn't understand how Switchblade blew up. We didn't see any more shots from Thunderhawk. No, it was just a canopy. Yeah, I know that... I I can't remember if it was... uh, short-circuiting or something, you know, on the panel or whatever, but I would think it would have plummeted into the ocean more than just exploded. So, I don't know. That was a little... That took me out of that episode for a few right. seconds there. But Miles uh, is falling and screaming, and he uses the briefcase to dive into the ocean. He loses his mask and struggles to get to the surface as Shark now dives in and transforms. Gloria launches two torpedoes. One misses him while another breaks the suitcase apart, which I didn't ding it, but usually torpedoes explode. They don't just, like, knock a little hole into a suitcase and call it good. Yeah, I I didn't understand that either. I didn't know if it exploded nearby and the impact kind of blew him back and and opened the case because it didn't – I don't know. I didn't slow it down or anything like that to see if the missile actually hit the briefcase and, and what caused it to you know, explode. But if it had been that close, you would have thought Miles would have been Toast. knocked out or hurt. Yeah. Or, yeah, even worse. So, so that was a little confusing there, too. Right. Well, uh, Miles, unfortunately for him, watches all the platinum sink to the ocean floor. The rest of the Venom Snakes all jump onto the Piranha Sub and skim across the, the surface as they uh, slow down enough to grab Miles, who shouts, Give me back my platinum! I thought those, I mean, they, you know that they always run out at like the first sign of trouble, it seems. What I didn't like is, one, they leave Piranha behind the bike at least they take off in the sub now if yeah. he went if they would have went out grabbed him and did a u-turn back to the the bike at least i would i would feel a little bit better about the whole 
what they did there. But, you know, in the next episode, the whole piranha and everything's going to be all all fixed, all, all one, as well as Switchblade. I mean, Switchblade, right. how, many, how many times has Switchblade blown up now? Two or three times? It got melted and crushed yeah. once with um, where we lose that Firecracker. Was the, uh, yeah, that was the matter of gravity. Right. So we, I know it's at least been blown up or dismantled in some form twice. Uh, but there was an episode where... Once, uh, I think it was the song Liberty where it blows up yeah. in the distance and he ends up in the ocean as he's cursing at Mask. So, so yeah, it's been several times that he's lost it. And they never, they never do that continuity either, you know, screwing it back together or whatever in the beginning of the next episode. Right. So uh, anyway, back to our episode. Gloria suggests that she could go after them while Matt says no, and even says that they would join up with the rest of them by the time they catch up. Now, there's your hint that there's a bigger. There's your yes. bigger nest of Venom agents, or at least a bigger posse or bigger organization out there for them. Right. I, that really caught me off guard. I was like, huh? Squeeze me? A beggy pattern? <laughs> uh, what others are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, there are more Venom agents? Okay. I mean, that's cool. I mean, they're, it's almost like they're setting up future episodes now. You know, they've, they've like referenced a couple in the past. But now it sounds like, you know, there's at least something going on behind the scenes that there's more agents or there, like you said, that was the other thing that got me thinking about the, the comic books in the larger organization too, that who are these others? I mean, this is a, this is a huge deal. Oh yeah. yeah. This is, this is our, our, I think this is our leap board that's, that's going. Uh, and like I said, when we were talking about the dashboards, our last mass cast uh, chat. We're only like five or six episodes away from seeing the, one of the new agents right. coming on board. So, so anyway, Matt adds that they have the real culprit as we look at Amir and his two aides. And I'm real curious to hear how the Amir is going to explain to the Austrian police how all those lipizzaners got on his ship. And we are now taken back to the hotel where the civilian suited mask agents walk in and see the hotel in utter ruin. <laughs> Gloria asked, what happened? Was it Hurricane Edna? Which I didn't look it up, but that must have been around that, that time frame when... Uh, I know. Actually, I looked it up just for the reference point, and it was a hurricane that hit the east coast of the U.S. back in the 50s. Oh, wow. That was, it, there was like record rainfall, and yeah, it was huge. So this must uh, have been that big in her eyes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we then see T-Bob rumbling through, destroying a couch before crashing into a brick wall and then tipping over. Oh, um, uh, hi, Dad. Well, Scott, did you succeed in staying out of trouble? Er, not exactly, sir. And that sir going, I know I am getting <laughs> in trouble tonight. Buddy jokes that they'd be less trouble if they were with them. And Gloria adds it might help if they let them join Venom. Of course, Scott excitingly replies that they they could work undercover. <laughs> T-Bob interjects, saying that he'd rather be a popcorn popper than hiccups and, and opens up the popcorn compartment. And then we close with our glorious laugh. And that leads us into our PSA. 
Right. And surprisingly, we are linked back to the episode. We're back inside the palace, and Dusty is giving Scott and T-Bob some tips on riding horses. Now, you got to remember, horses are bigger than you, but they scare easy. And some of them ain't too bright. Kind of like T-Bob? <laughs> oh, man, that's a low blow. You're the one who programmed him. Anyway, Dusty continues, and he tells him when you walk behind the horse, you got to let him know you're there. T-Bob wonders why, as he almost gets kicked out of the arena, landing uh, near the retaining wall there. That keeps your riding lesson from turning into a flying lesson. Now he tells me. And we fade to black out of the PSA. I, I don't know. It was kind of hokey. <laughs> I didn't really laugh. I thought that was really a low blow for Scott to say that about T-Bob, though. I was like, he ain't too bright like T-Bob. <laughs> I was like, you don't want to program him, sucker. Anyway. Well, what did you think uh, overall of the episode? Well, there were a couple disconnects when we've uh, we've identified them uh, on this latter half. We've identified like the torpedoes. It didn't seem to torpedoes explode. Granted, uh, we see in mass that sometimes things aren't what they appear. Obviously, it just looked like they just it, it blew up next to that suitcase, uh, and it wasn't a big kaboom like I would anticipate a torpedo would do. Uh, I didn't ding it, but it wasn't. It just to me, it didn't mesh. Our, our no vehicle selection, no mask headquarters kind of, yeah. I, again, I didn't ding it because I'm used to this, but I'm, I'm disappointed that we didn't, um, we didn't get to see it. But I know that we were already 15 minutes in before we finally got yeah, our call up. Really wasn't time. Right. The plus side, I, I really liked how Dusty got involved, uh, overall, uh, I mean, he wasn't the lead, obviously, but he got in with the uh, horse riding and rescuing the, the the horses both times. He did that awesome save for for Matt using the the gator boat and ejecting it to slide in, and which just happened to slide right at that moment where <laughs> Matt crashes into it. He was essentially the star of this episode. I would say he was the supporting role. I don't think he was a quite the star yet. Well, I mean, he saved Matt. He, uh, you know, helped save Amir at the very beginning of the episode. He jumped on the horses to get them into the trailer, you know, in that uh, part of the episode. I mean, he did a lot. He did. He was was the main guy in the PSA. I mean, this might be the most we've seen him uh, in action, you know. True. Throughout an entire episode, but right, I don't know. I know he's one of your favorites. I'm just trying to. <laughs> Not that I, I think you need talking up at all on this episode, but right. <laughs> um, I did like the humor. T. Bob complaining that he's the popcorn popper, and um, I like when he was spinning around the room in the background. I, I was actually chuckling at that. Uh, I liked the the transformations were great throughout yeah I, I got i got blown away uh i i, I get I'm not blown away but i got things improved as the uh, second half rolled through 
I'm still at a 4.5 because I'm still a little upset about how they handled the the disconnects with Gator appearing, as we discussed earlier, and such. So, but I'm rounding up. I think it's a great episode. I like the, the plot. Um, the PSA actually tied in. Imagine that. <laughs> um, and we actually got our, like you pointed out, we finally got our watch sound back. Uh, someone must have complained from 30 years. They took the time machine, the DeLorean, <laughs> screaming about it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm calling it a five. I'm rounding it up. How about you? I'm I, I'm with you. I mean, it, I thought it was a good episode. The plot I liked. We, you know, Scott and T. Bob stayed at the hotel, um, which was worse because I'm sure that Matt had to pay a huge bill. <laughs> if not, if not well, see, and that's that's the thing too. Like I, if I had to put money on how the episode was going to end. I thought it was going to be that kind of stereotypical running up of the room service bill and somebody else having to deal with it. You know what I mean? I thought they were going to walk in, they're going to see the place of disaster and the hotel manager was going to walk up to Matt and say, here's your, you know, charges or whatever. Right. And T-Bob had, you know, like basically destroyed the whole thing. I thought that would have been a, a fun way to end the episode, but we didn't get it, but it, you know, that was just it came, I swear they were gonna set that up. Right. Um but they I mean they were back at the hotel kind of doing their own little humor thing, but they still managed to get into the plot just with that one little instance there in the hallway, which is kind of coincidental, but it turned out to be, you know, helpful. Right. They it helped Matt to put the plot together to to figure out the mystery, since this was a mystery. We got some good action, and the animation still remained at the high quality it's been for several episodes now, I think, um, since we made that jump. It was still good, and like you said, the transformations, the shots, they're still being creative. It was good. Right. I was teetering, and I'm, I guess maybe I'm still teetering between a four and a half and a four. Um, I did end up giving it, I think, a five on my vote. Um, but I'm still wondering if I've got enough here to knock it down. <laughs> I don't know. I might make uh, mass cast history here and change my vote mid mid uh, recording. <laughs> well, it's not mid. No. It's almost like towards the end yeah, of the recording. Well, true. Yeah. Anyway, the good parts I had, you pretty much went through. I always give the tie-in with the PSA some bonus points. There were some creative circumstances with the masks in battle and Dusty's boat. Um, I had a couple laugh out loud moments, which seemed to be happening more and more, which is good. Yes. Over the last couple episodes, actually making me laugh and generally writing something funny. Uh, and then, you know, Buddy's call up scene, uh, not to mention T-Bob's jokes. I, I only got a chuckle out of that. And, you know, Matt's hint at the other agents. I mean, come on. I mean, we, we probably didn't notice that as kids. We, you know, we're watching an episode. We're just soaking in. We want to see the vehicles transform, and we want to see Mask win. We right. probably never caught that, you know, back then, that maybe they are hinting at future episodes to come. And I don't know when the Series 2 toys came out. You know, I don't know if this was just a subtle reveal that, 
you know, there was more coming with series two or they're about to release series two, but I don't know. I, I appreciate it more now though. Definitely. Uh, probably than I did as a kid, but I thought that was good. I'm glad they're, they're doing that and alluding to stuff that's coming down the road. Right. Um, the bad parts, uh, I guess the biggest problem I had was the timeline for the transport plane arriving in Austria from that day to essentially that night, less than 12 hours or whatever. I don't think that transport plane can fly that fast. No. Um, that just, I, but then that again, was my biggest markdown, I think. Then again, if you look, it's it's not too distant when we start. I think it was actually when we first started seeing the transport plane in action. There's retro jets or some kind of jets actually out on front, uh, right in front of the wings. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe it can go, you know, a touch faster. I don't I, think uh, I don't think it go airwolf fast, but you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just thinking for, and they, it's obviously not always. At max capacity, no. not always, we're not getting usually more than three agents on it at a time. But I don't know. I just didn't see them flying from the U.S. to Austria the same day. They should have maybe spaced that out a little bit more just to make it comfortable. Right. Uh, there was one voice mistake, too. Did you catch this at the end of the episode where we see they're using Dusty's uh character but they're using buddy's voice it was right no, there at the end catch it. it was right there at the end at the hotel scene it was one of the last lines before scott makes his whole little thing and t-bob hmm. hiccups with the popcorn he it was when they were talking about scott being an agent of venom and they use buddy's voice on dusty um and in my opinion you know we're 36 episodes in that probably shouldn't be happening but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they were just off that day or whoever was <laughs> writing the script just got the the name wrong there of whose voice it should have been, but I caught that mistake. And then the logistics of the agents and then their vehicles during the end battle, that kind of took me on the episode a couple times. I mean, how did Matt, who, you know, he meets Venom there, and I guess he could have chased him out the door and get into Thunderhawk to chase Switchblade. The one I didn't really buy was Gloria, who was inside, you know, taking care of the people. Then all of a sudden we see Shark out of nowhere in her, you know, inside. So true. it just seemed like they were, there was a really quick time period for them to hop in their vehicles and then get in position for these little things there at the end. Right. Especially with Mayhem. I mean, it could just have been a simple setup scene where they're running outside after they've taken care of, you know, the the other, the henchmen there and Matt chasing the other people out. They could have just been running outside towards their vehicles or something. True. Um, and that kind of, that was more of a tick where we didn't see, uh, we didn't see Shark at all until that, there was just that one time uh, in the episode. And... We don't know if, how if Buddy brought a vehicle along, or if he was riding shotgun, or what was going on right. with him. So I don't know. The it just seemed rushed. Okay, I think that was the whole thing. Right at the end, it just seemed rushed to me with the two agents coming on scene. 
how quickly they got there. They were magically in position at the right time to take out Venom. And I don't know. That the that just got me out of the episode, I think, some. I and, see. And the whole I did not like the Piranha sub trick. No, I didn't. Just put Jackhammer in there. And, you know, we've seen that before where they pick up Mayhem after he's, you know, lost his vehicle or whatever and drove off in, in Jackhammer. Mayhem could have swam to shore and just picked him up in Piranha or something and they would have had Manta run off, you know, with the other two agents or something. That, I don't know. The same with the Venom agents, too, with Vanessa and Dagger. They weren't in the entire episode until that last scene. And, again, you know, that was just, it felt rushed. And it just looked stupid for them to be driving off into the sunset. or Right. <laughs> boating off into the sunset with the four of them hanging right. off this one-man sub. I mean, come on. I don't know. Anyway. Those were the bad things. And just a couple ticks, and I'll shut up. <laughs> uh, you know, I mentioned they did the opposite from the last episode with the Boulder Hill scenes. Uh, I don't know. Why are they not putting the whole string together anymore? Why is it just part of that sequence? I have no idea. It kind of stinks. But uh, And then I mentioned the voice reverb, and that was... That was about it. I mean, as much as I've, <laughs> I don't know, much as I talk about it, I want to, I don't know, maybe drop it down to a four, but. I think you're talking think yourself it, down to a four right now. <laughs> I'm getting there, yeah. And maybe it's just more, I don't know, maybe it's more on the tick side than bad. I'll keep it at a five, and there'll probably be another episode come up that I'll be torn, and I'll give it the lower grade that time. <laughs> Hopefully it won't be a between a two and a one. <laughs> right. I hope not. That's only happened one other time. But anyway, uh, that's what I took away. I'll keep it at a five, and let's talk about. Do you find any uh, similarities to our script? Uh, I did, and funny enough, I didn't see it originally when I went watched it. But as we discussed, that's when it really kind of clicked for me. I saw Venom just going after money, which that's what we have in our movies. They need resources because they're bums, basically. So they got to start new and go after whatever they can get. And um, so I saw a loose similarity there. Uh, we've we've hit on this a few times, but it seems to be more more prominent lately. Is the that Venom is verbally jabbing at one another, and we have that going on in the script as well. And finally. Uh, I hate to mention it, but it, it's part of it is uh, Switchblade blows up, and we blow up a Switchblade in, in our movie. Not completely, though. That's true. We don't take him out completely, but a good portion of him. He crashes. Yeah. Let's just leave it at that. We, yeah, we that's probably the best way. But we also crashed Thunderhawk, too. So That is true. We crashed Thunderhawk. For a good reason. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, yeah, I got nothing more to add other than, I mean, that was just the thing that we've said mentioned many times when basically Mayhem just needs a little cash that uh, 
our venom comes from humble beginnings and they need the money to kind of push forward in their organization. And, right. Uh, there's, uh, I think a couple bank heists involved and they go after, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember now there's a scene where they're going to, I think, steal some ammunition. Ammunition. That's what it is. Yeah. And that's where our big battle that's right. comes into play. But yeah, they, there's, I think we identify one scene uh, of them robbing, robbing a bank, but there are news reports and stuff that, that right. we fill in the blanks that this has been going on for a while. Right. That's how they're getting their funds is doing the small stuff. Unfortunately, that's the best way to put it, but they're also testing out their, I'll call it a team put me together <laughs> vehicles. Hence, like Jason said, their their humble beginnings. You know, we have them in the in a. It's an airfield, but it's kind of happenstance that it's also co-located with the junkyard. So they got the best of both worlds there, uh, right. so to speak. Well, how about we uh, give our listeners a voice? Yes, I think we should. Uh, looks like we have ten votes for total for the episode. Looks like we have. One that thinks it's voting it for a one. Uh, we have uh, one for a three, one for a four, and the remaining seven voted a five. So I would say the majority of uh, of our listeners and viewers uh, thought it was actually a very, very great episode. Although you're wavering on uh, a four, but you said <laughs> you're locking it in on a five. Yeah, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt, and like I said, I'll. There'll be there will be a time when I go <laughs> the other way, trust me. <laughs> oh, I know. And we actually have five comments. Yeah, this is great. This time around. Yeah, I, love, I, I love, love this. And let me just say, you know, I realize, you know, some people just want to vote and go, but we love these comments. We want to get people's inputs, what they think, even if they think it's a lousy episode and we think it's great. Doesn't matter. We we want to see what your take is on it because that's. I mean, this is supposed to be all inclusive. It's not just Jason and Wyatt's show. It's it's right agents of mask. So yeah, and there's always some nuggets. And we've said before too. I I don't usually read any of the the comments before I go through and write my own notes and stuff. And there's always something that somebody else finds that we just totally skips us. It seems like. Right. So that's why we really like these comments. But uh, we'll just go. Uh, I'll go through the Facebook ones first. Right. We and, had one on Facebook. Yeah, we had one posted actually to our Facebook page from when I reposted the uh, poll asking for some more votes. That was Alex Cook, and he says uh, five. It says excellent animation. A genuine near-death scene for Matt, coupled with Dusty's tried and tested puns, and a very decent plot. So, I think we typically agreed with right. uh, that assessment. So, thanks, Alex, for posting that. And we also had uh, Eric from BoulderHill.net. Right, he says, I love this episode and have since I was a kid. It was nice to see Matt in danger and being saved instead of him doing the saving. Dusty actually had a good idea. 
and came through in the nick of time. In fact, this whole episode gives a much better impression of Dusty's skills. He might be a hick, but he's a talented one. <laughs> uh, I'm also a sucker for Buddy Hawks, and he has a couple of great moments at the end. Scott and T-Bob, who are normally pretty annoying, somehow transcend themselves and enter a level of insanity that is hilarious. Which I'll agree there, Eric. Uh, they also had a minimal influence on the plot itself, which I prefer. If I have to pick one flaw for this episode, it would be that the mask team is called in so late, and so we get very little of the agents besides Matt and Dusty. On a final note, this is one of my all-time favorite PSAs. Watching T-Bob go flying is priceless. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that, Eric. You're right. This is actually a very good episode, and, and, and with Scott and T-Bob uh, being actually funny, is I almost say is rare. There was a lot of bad jokes, but uh, it was they were used very well in this episode, as well as Dusty being, you know, the kind of the, like Jason said, more of the star. Uh, I'll, I'll call him a supporting actor, but Jason calls him the star. <laughs> and then we're on to uh, Rael. We he actually uh, corrected us. His name is pronounced Rule. Okay. Rule Leclerc. He's uh, posted a couple of times. He says, this episode felt pretty mediocre. Nothing in it was really good, but also nothing was really bad either. I'm a fan of recurring musical themes in this series. And that's why I was a little disappointed to hear that droopy tune after the opening credits. I did kind of notice that too. And it seems like the opening theme typically is something new each time. Sometimes it's we go right into Scott and T Bob's theme or something or one of the other themes, but typically that's the spot where they drop new music. And I can see that it was kind of a almost uh, I don't know. I guess he used the word droopy, kind of dreary theme to start uh, the opening credits. Um, I can see that. He continues, the animation this episode was mediocre. Nothing really popped out. There were some minor inconsistencies or ticks, as you call them. Matt mentions there were 10 horses that disappeared when we usually only see six. The blueprint of the Palace of VNL mass computer shows the secret tunnel starting underground when the tunnel they discover seems to be above ground. Uh, I think, think he's right on that one. The doorway into the secret tunnel was big and opened really slow. It's strange that Dusty didn't see anything when he was in that tunnel being thrown from the horse in the beginning of the episode. That, now, that makes That's sense. True. Uh, another one, when Matt and Dusty find the sonic transmitter, the computer tells them it was stolen by Venom. So why doesn't Matt assemble the team at that point? Then he finally does later in the episode. There's no computer voice listing agents and vehicles. That makes sense. I, I think I actually thought that, too, when I was first watching that. Usually once they hear Venom, it's calling it's, the team. Right. And they waited for some reason in this episode. Uh, Rule continues. When Miles and Rax flee from Mask after their first encounter, the transformation of Switchblade looked really strange. It seemed to be just hanging motionless in the sky. Maybe the animators just forgot to animate the helicopter rotors, but it looked weird to me. That might have been when it came out of the uh, the haystack there. 
Yeah. I think is what he's talking about. I like how Dusty saved Matt by ejecting his boat from Gator. Then followed the best T-Bob joke ever. <laughs> we see Scott tinkering with T-Bob. Scott asks him, where's your spirit of adventure, T-Bob? He replies, I think it was the first thing you took out. <laughs> it still was, makes me chuckle yeah. typing this now. I mean, we agree. That was some good humor there. Um, he goes on. Also, T-Bob whizzing across the room in the background when Scott is talking to Matt on the view screen was pretty funny. What does it say about the episode when the most memorable moments are starring T-Bob? <laughs> That's true. I, I don't know if I'd necessarily agree with that, but. It, it was funny. Yeah. Uh, the end battle was a bit unsatisfying. There was a lot of masks being used, which is cool, but there was no vehicle battle. But he didn't even have a vehicle, which we, we just pointed out, too. Uh, when Cliff is shooting his torch at Buddy, Vanessa says, nice shot, Mayhem. That didn't make sense. And I, I did meant to point that out, too, when you said that earlier, that her line didn't make sense there, what she was referring to. But Right. Um, he goes on, where was Manta? Where was Jackhammer? Seeing all the Venom agents escaping in Rack's little sub was amusing, but would have rather seen some more vehicle action. I agree Very there. True. There were some voice acting mistakes as well. A minor one when Dusty gets squashed by the tree. I thought I heard Matt's voice seeping through a bit, which actually could have happened since Doug did do both of those characters. Right. And then the big one before the public service message where Dusty clearly speaks with Buddy's voice. And that's one I got. All in all, the word of the day is mediocre. After rereading my own comments, my rating of a three seems like kindness. Wow. <laughs> I still enjoy rewatching these episodes with you guys, though. So on to the next one. Until next time. Rule. So we thank you for that lengthy comment. We don't want a lengthy comments at all. It, you know, like it. You said, Wyatt, it's always great just to hear the full scope of uh, somebody's perspective. So thanks right. for that. We now move on to uh, Sani. I'll, I'll, I hope I said, pronounced it right. Uh, she writes in Portuguese, but we've, uh, we're using Google Translator to help <laughs> us a little bit. Forgive me if it's incorrect. It says, I love this design. Perhaps the episode is what you're referring to but unfortunately does not pass more for a fight between the design of the writer American and did in Japan. Um, yeah. I don't think they are. I don't think Google translator translated very well. Um, so well, we do. Us. Yeah. We do appreciate the comment. If you're listening or watching, thanks for that. And uh, if it's you, great to see a Portuguese fan out there. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. We've got or maybe Brazilian Portuguese. I don't know. I think we've got a lot of uh, followers from pretty much around the globe, but right. um, yeah, we're stuck with English, so I'm sorry. <laughs> we appreciate the comment, though. Yes, we do. And then our final one is from our favorite fan, uh, or actually our biggest fan, it seems, uh, Anna. <laughs> right. She says, this is a great episode. There are quite many things to point out. First of all, I love the way Dusty is used here. Normally, he is one of my least favorite characters. This time, he really gets to show some of his skills. I love it when the horses get scared up at the beginning, jumps onto the horse and leads them all away from the little boy. He also shows some similar riding skills in the end of the episode. The idea with the boat that saves Matt is great as well. 
Secondly, this episode has some great scenes with Venom and their confrontations with Mask. I love the part when the computer all of a sudden mentions Venom and then Miles Mayhem's face appears on the screen a second later. That was a I, some of sometimes those abrupt transitions work really well, Mm-mm. but sometimes then I I like a good fade in or something to give a little bit of background of where they're at first instead right. of just boom. But uh, it did work well in this episode. I'll agree with her. And it continues, the sudden appearance of Switchblade flying up from behind the haystack when Matt tries to surprise Rax is also brilliant. Not to mention Matt's sudden confrontation with Switchblade when he runs to save Dusty. Thirdly, I think Scott and T-Bob are used well in this episode. They actually managed to stay at the hotel this time, which really impressed me. And still they were able to help Mask. Maybe Scott had so much problems with T-Bob that he simply didn't have the time to leave the hotel. <laughs> That's true. Could have definitely been part of it. Another thing I noticed, which as far as I can remember, is unique for this episode in that it actually contains references to earlier episodes. There are references to both the Golden Goddess and Peril in Paris. And I don't think this happens in any other Mask episode, and I really like it. That stinks. Uh, Finally, this episode has good quality animation, which, of course, makes it even better. So I really enjoyed watching. Anna, she seems to have a a tag on the series as a whole in certain points where we see something that we might not see again at all. Or uh, She's pointed out several times, like, uh, this is the last episode that the Venom minions appear in. And I was like, oh. And then it was early on that she said, uh, this is one of the few episodes that Boulder Hill makes an appearance. And I was like, oh, I'm like always disappointed. (laughs) Some comments. She obviously watches it a lot more than we do. (laughs) She has. She she has uh, over the years, it seems. And she's quick to point out those things that kind of insider knowledge that she has, which is. It's just good. I'm glad she does um, shares those things with us. But um, (laughs) at the same time, I'm always like disappointed when she shares that because it's always something that I like, Oh, I really love it that they referenced earlier episodes. Oh, it's not going to happen again. (laughs) So thank you, Anna. I'll just have to deal with your, uh, your revelations there. um, As they come. So, Please don't stop, even no, though I'm always disappointed afterwards. But uh, I really appreciate uh, you commenting pretty much every podcast. She's she's faithful. She's yes. probably the most faithful listener. So we're going to have to, when we reach 100, um, I'm going to have to, like, send her a T-shirt or something to <laughs> <laughs> for all those comments and all the time that she's put in. Uh, add to our to Masscast, right? Anyway, but that uh, that will about do it, I think, for the comments, right? Yeah, that's all the comments we have. I've been looking over at our live feed. It unfortunately doesn't look like uh, we've had any viewers on the live feed. It's kind of late for a lot of people, anyway, especially uh, anybody that's over in the European arena as well. Right. It, we'll have to figure out a time. Uh, maybe we'll do a special one for Mask Day where maybe we can get 
Scott, um, which I believe he's in Scotland, I think. I thought it was England. England or Scotland, uh, the UK, as the kids call it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're have to get uh, some of those people involved in a in a show. Oh, yeah. um, I think he did make mention uh, in a comment uh, after the fact last week, or maybe it was on the when I posted the last podcast on the blog about uh, getting together and talking about our scripts and stuff, and that would be real real fun to do. So, oh yeah, we'll set something up uh, in the future that'll be more accommodating. But this is why we ask for the comments and we have the comment sections to leave it and then we can get to it when we record and we'll be there forever in our mass cast feed. So right. we really do appreciate that. And yikes, we are just about halfway home, man. Next podcast will be mass cast 50. Can you believe it? It's been a long time, but it's been Awesome. I love this. Um, I really love our journey. Uh, realize pr it's primarily the cartoon, which is great. You get to see slowly, you get to see the new, new vehicles like we've seen, like yeah. when Hurricane introduced and, and such. It's great. It's been, just, it's been kind of a, it's the rock of the whole podcast. And pretty much the reason why we started was to review the, the uh, show, but I think that I was going to be reaching for, you know, the episodes in between and along the way, you know, we've befriended uh, Bill and Eric and we've had uh, Paul Pamphalone, the artist, and we've had some other guests on, of course, Doug. Right. And we've seemed to really fill in the gaps, which is somewhat surprised me. Right. And then, you yeah. know, We've we've had great discussions with, especially with the ability of this Hangouts, where we can actually yeah. reach out and touch people visually. We can go on YouTube now. <laughs> Sound like an AT and T commercial. Does it? We can yeah. touch someone. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I forgot about that. I think it was AT and T. Might have been Sprint. I don't know. Anyway. But uh, nonetheless, you know, we've this has been really a fantastic journey. Uh, no pun to the 90s rock song <laughs> um fantastic that's voyage that's it <laughs> coolio wow that's a flash <laughs> in the past i had thought about that song forever that used to be one of my top five i actually slide, slide, slide. <laughs> i can't remember the rest it was one of my favorites I, too i i actually uh, i still have it on the, my mtv party to go Cassette somewhere. Oh my gosh! Yes, I, I still had have those. Party to go. I had one of the earlier ones. I think it was before that came out. But oh yeah, I played the crap out of that thing. But anyway, <laughs> I thought I had it close by, but I don't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this it's has been, been it's been a great. I mean, we started this out uh, as meet the writers of our agents of mask, or I'm sorry, our mask the movie. Uh, venture and it kind of was just i think it was more like a happenstance way of advertising our movie and then like you said we just started meeting people and finding there was we knew there was some interest obviously especially after seeing was it uh, bills matt we saw there we saw his 
traffic count and got intimidated by it. <laughs> we're like, holy crap, we're not even going to see a hundred people. And, <laughs> and, um, now we're, I won't say we're equal by any means, but we're, we're catching up, Bill. Yeah. Well, um, it's, I, I don't like to directly compare to no, either the no. other websites and, um, we all bring different things to the table too. I mean, and that's the great thing with us meeting our guests. You know, we yeah. we found found we've learned a lot. Oh yeah, there's been like a mask uh, history lesson almost. That's true. It really <laughs> has. And and hearing the behind the scenes with with Doug, you know how they had to do their scenes, uh, like the way he has to stand to get the voice to to do what it needs to do. And how they even started out. They were really humble beginnings to them, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was Doug, what what he say? He was young. I think he said 18 when he moved to L.A., 18 or 19. I uh, remember what he uh, He what was he young. And he was, you know, on his own. And here he is voicing the lead character, but being really taken under the wings of, um, of Sharon and uh, Brennan. Uh, it just... Uh, it's really a great to learn all of this. I like, you know, I, I discuss all the time with when we veer off on our zillion rabbit trails, um, how I like to see the, the behind the scenes stuff. You know, I like seeing the, the Dodge Charger crash and then the next scene is, you know, perfect or, or Knight Rider, how he actually drives the car when it's, supposedly driving by itself yeah that stuff i like to learn and i like to learn about how how the voice actors or how uh like anna brings to the table uh how this is the last scene that we're going to see uh any reference to to other episodes or this is the one of the few scenes we see boulder hill that type of thing i like seeing that i'm glad we have such great i'll call them educators they're, they're fans but they're really educators to us even. yeah uh, it is for our uh, entity of, of mask. So it's, it's, this is a great journey. Again, we wish we could do it more. <laughs> but, uh, this it, is, it, I, you know, when we first started out, we were doing it, what, three weeks out of the month. Oh, we were doing and like crazy. We're almost, almost weekly. I think it was close to that, but they were short episodes because we were using Buzzsprout and, we used the free edition, which I think <laughs> kept us at two hours a month or something like that. So yeah. we ended up spacing it out and spacing it out, you know, and now we're doing, we're back to about two a month right. on average. So, so at least the goal this year and, you know, I, now having the Google Hangout and no time constraints, thanks to Audiometric, it's fun. It's fun. We get to, we get, I don't like going off into those bunny trails and not having to trim a podcast just to meet some certain time frame. Right. We can talk. We don't have any restrictions and we can and, uh, and our fans, it all out there. And our fans, fellow agents kind of get to know us a little bit and how we kind of got into the mask and more so 80s realm enjoyment uh yeah so it's it it's it's been a great journey and and what's what really i guess makes it 
even more interesting for you and I, Jason, is is how we started this out. We started this out on a small idea because we thought someone's making money on the 80s stuff. Why can't we? And uh, we came up with the idea of uh, brainstorming ideas, like like we said in our in our Meet the Writers, trying to figure out what show or or series can we can we use that no one's thought of but was also very popular and it took us i think a week or two of debating and here we are mask and was it been three years or so since we've done mask cast our first mask cast was in february of 2012. so yeah three almost three and a half years of mask cast and and it's we've been on uh we've been online our website went up in early january of 2011. So right that's been over four years so it's it's been incredible and i i've enjoyed it i enjoyed the the movie writing part of it that was actually fun uh hectic at times because we were trying to <laughs> work between each other's uh, thoughts and ideas which was yeah it was great it's, though yeah, and it really, I mean, the purpose of it, too, was to kind of keep us in contact a little better. You were out in Idaho at the time, and we just moved here to Alabama, and it was just a way to, for us to keep in contact more than we had been, I think, and wanted to be. So it was, it's definitely served that purpose, but I never envisioned we'd be sitting here at almost 50 podcasts well, actually, we're over fifty if you count the meet the writers and the three chats, the toy, no. two or chats, chats, and the toy collecting one that was split Quite up sure. into three episodes, three parts. So, yeah, we've been over fifty episodes, and you know, here we are. After we finish the next episode, we'll be technically halfway through the series. We'll be thirty-seven. There's seventy-five. Well. Not quite half. half <laughs> Close enough. Yeah, my math skills are off tonight. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's still pretty cool to reminisce like we just did for the last ten or fifteen minutes here, right? And uh, and think about it and, and the way we did it, and you know, we did it our way. I, we're not the only mask podcast out there. If you I've ever run a search in iTunes. Um, and I just think the way that we've done it, it's not been rushed. It was a little rushed at first, but we're, we've always essentially done one episode per podcast. Right. And we were just looking for stuff to fill in, in between. We knew we were going to talk about toys and stuff and some of the other parts of the series, just not didn't have it all planned out from the beginning. But you know, we're genuinely fans of the show. We're oh, not yeah. just doing it to uh, bring in any revenue. I mean, <laughs> we get, uh, I think I got maybe 30 cents so far from Audiometric. <laughs> we're not, wow. I mean, we get maybe, we're averaging, I think, around 300 downloads now an episode since we switched over there back in September. And that's great because I remember us starting out, it was like, what, 10 or 20? And then it slowly Yeah, we'd, we'd gotten up to 100 at some point, and it, we still don't know. I, I still haven't found a way to find out I how many uh, iTunes uh, subscribers we have or how many 
pulls we get from iTunes. But that's just the raw numbers from our host who uh, pulled that feed. So I don't know if that's included or not or whatever. So, you know, we've always been kind of open with our stats and upfront with how many people listen. And I appreciate every single person that listens because I know that those are the hardcore fans. Those are the fans that we learn from and we, you know, mainly interact with on social media and stuff. And, you know, that's the people we care about. We're not doing this to impress anybody. We're, no. we're doing it for fun. We're doing it to keep mask fresh on everybody's mind. Exactly. And including ours and just to keep pushing it forward, you know? And I just, I don't, I don't think any other podcast, uh, can come close to what we do and the dedication that we put into it. Not just mask I'm talking about. I mean, and this is nothing against any other show like the the Cartoon Express podcast that, that Eric puts on. I'm not saying they're not dedicated or anything to their show, but I don't know. I, I just think we've gotten something special and we come each week with our notes. We're ready to go. We're ready to dive in. And it's, you know, something we both wanted to do from the beginning is to review the entire series. And exactly. It's, it's been a, it's been a hell of a time partner. I've, I've had a lot of fun. Oh, I have too. And, and what's kind of funny is, you know, you shortly after starting this, you really got uh, hitched onto collecting the comic books, the toys, and you started your own collection where, you know, you probably, it wasn't even a shadow or of a thought beforehand of doing anything like that. And now you hear you are reconnecting, even with your boys, you're reconnecting with them, showing them what you went through. In fact, it led for the comic book side, it led a little bit for them because now they're inter- interested in comic books, not just masks, but other venues as well. The Marvel comics and such that you, Oh, it's true. It's, it's definitely true. And Yeah. It was probably that spring or summer of 2012 when I decided I was going to start collecting a little more. I had had Hurricane. That was it. Didn't you have Hurricane? No. I had Hurricane, which was the one that I kept from my childhood uh, with the figure, Hondo, and that was all I had. Okay. And it just kept building and building. I sold off some of the stuff that I had to eBay to feed my, (laughs) my collecting. And it's, you know, it got to the point where I was so involved and so caught up in it that I called myself a quote unquote mass dealer for probably a year or a year and a half and used that by putting complete sets together, the vehicle figure, weapons and all that and selling those back on eBay to get more for my collection. So I pretty much paid for my collection by becoming a mask dealer, which I wouldn't have had, you know, I wouldn't have uh, had that opportunity had I not done that. And then, yeah, it got into, all right, so I got some vehicles, sets. Let me get some of the comics because they were cheap. They're still cheap. I mean, you can get, the mass comics for buck fifty, two bucks an issue on eBay. Some That's not even, bad at all. Some even less than that. Uh, I mean, and the cover price was seventy five cents. So come on. 
you got no excuse for not collecting the comics. And that did move into me uh, getting, uh, I, I got the, the three A-Team comics that they put out. I think that was Marvel. And then I got into G.I. Joe and I got into Thundercats, and, you know, the comics. And I collected the complete series of cops. I think that was 16, maybe 17 issues. And I've just kind of pieced it together like that on stuff that I really want. I really haven't, you know, a lot of people go back and read Batman from the beginning and, or at when they start a new Batman series or Superman series or whatever. Right. Um, and start from there and, and work their way up. But I don't know. I like collecting stuff that I remember from my childhood, but are also somewhat collectible. So I want to actually own the physical book. I don't right generally do the digital comics unless they're free on Amazon, which I've gotten a few GI Joe's from there. But, you know, at the same time, it's led for me to go, this is the third year in a row we've gone to free comic book day at our local comic book store. And the boys get excited for that. And yeah, I mean, it is all about keeping it alive and passing it on to the next generation. Exactly. And I don't know. I just feel like we've tooted our own horn (laughs) on. A lot of the last 15 or 20 minutes here, but um, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's been a, an awesome journey. It has been because, you know, like I we wouldn't said, change a thing. No, we same here. We would have – this has been a great – I can't describe it any better, I guess. This has been a great journey, and, and it's led to different things. You know, it, like we said, initially we thought we were just going to cash in on the movie script and. Pull chocks yeah. and go on to the next script, whatever it would be, and it, but it's become um, a part of us. The goal and our perspective has changed one yes. since. We, oh yes, even since we finished the script. So. Oh yeah, and I I I love it. Uh, I I like being a part of this this team of if you if you will of fans, not just you and I, Jason. You know. And they, not even just uh, our few guys that we kind of chat with, like Eric and Bill and and Paul and Scott, but all the all the fans that are out there that share their passion uh, for for this entity and want to carry it on, like you like you said, to the next generation, hopefully the next. Who knows? This this might be a, one of those classics like the Three Stooges that just keeps going and going and going. Um, <laughs> but I don't think it'll get that <laughs> quite that status, but. You know, at the same time, you know this, Wyatt, um, that we get a masked movie, even if it's not our script, we don't make a dime off of it. You know, if if we get a masked movie and we somehow can tie in something that we did to help make that, you know, possible, even if it flops, I don't even care if it flops at the box office if nobody goes to see it or if we just get Mac Tracker in a G.I. Joe. I don't know. I feel like that is enough to warrant the journey from the beginning and all the oh, yeah. effort that we put into writing the script and posting content and broadcasting MassCast and, and all of that. I mean, that would just – that would be awesome to me. And I wouldn't think nothing of – them using somebody else's script at this point. I mean, it's been, like you said, uh, I think we finished in 2010. 
the end of 2010 when you were actually visiting here. And it's, we're coming up on four and a half years since we finished it. We've gotten a couple bites, but nothing major. So right. I'm kind of, I know you're still kind of <laughs> holding out hope that. You know, oh, yeah. I, I got to be a little bit positive. You know, just I'm like, not saying I'm negative that it's not going to happen, but I'm just saying my goals have morphed into something different than when right. I first, when we first finished it. But anyway, we've been rambling. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a bit of good ramble, you know. It's, yeah. Our, our it's, fans, if you're still watching, uh, in fact, I saw someone actually pop on here about 10 minutes ago, Sky Stone. Uh, welcome. Uh, you know, we're, we've been rambling on, but mostly, you know, this this is a we're saying that this is at the halfway point, episode wise, mass cast wise. But you know, it's been an awesome journey th- thus far, and uh, you know, this it's brought back memories. It's it's evolved, but it's, it's been a great, like you said, journey. Right, and the journey continues as we. We move on to MassCast 50. Um, like I said earlier, I don't know if it was in the pre-show or in the actual show that we're looking to team up with Eric soon. I'm not sure if that'll be the next uh, podcast or if we'll be reviewing uh, the next episode, which will be episode 37, The Sacred Rock. And in that one, the plot finds Venom tricking a tribe of Australian Aborigines order to steal their treasure and it's up to mash to protect the tribe and also rescue scott and t-bob without the use of a damaged thunderhawk so that will be sounds interesting at least that they'll be somewhat uh yeah handicapped or down a vehicle uh to uh to face venom at the end so We'll be looking forward to that one, as we always are, and I'll be looking forward to starting a new uh, half of our podcast. Same here. <laughs> and, I'm uh, looking 50 as we journey to 100 someday. That's right. That's right, and I look forward to it. I, Like I said, we've been having a great time, great journey, and I say we always have a blast, which we do. So until next time, I'm Wyatt. That's Jason on the other end of the camera. And thanks for listening and watching MassCast.